welcome back to Costume Drama Rewind. Today, we're talking about 42, the 2013 movie about Jackie Robinson. It was directed by Brian Helgeland, and it stars the late, great Chadwick Boseman, Harrison Ford, Nicole Bahari, and Andre Holland. Please note, as a heads up, in case you haven't seen the movie yet, it has a lot of racial and ethnic slurs, and some of the scenes of overt racism are challenging to watch. First, a quick synopsis. It's 1946, and Brooklyn Dodgers manager Branch Rickey, played by an especially gravelly-voiced Harrison Ford, seriously, he sounds like he's been gargling razor blades, (laughs) is interested in breaking Major League Baseball's color barrier for reasons that we'll learn are both mercenary and principled. For the opportunity, he picks Jackie Robinson, played by Chadwick Boseman. At the time, Jackie is playing with the Negro League team, the Kansas City Monarchs, and he's chosen for both his talent at baseball and because Jackie's record in the Army, more on that later, shows that he has the grit to stand up under the blizzard of hate he is certain to receive. Jackie accepts Ricky's offer of a contract, and he goes ahead and marries his girlfriend, Rachel. He reports for spring training with the Dodgers farm team, the Montreal Royals, where he impresses those who are open to being impressed, but is chased out of town in Sanford by a racist mob. He does a stellar job in that first season, and in the spring of 1947, he gets a spot on the Dodgers roster. Many of his teammates revolt, signing a petition that they won't play with him. The Dodgers manager forces them to back down, and he trades away one hardhead who won't relent to the Pirates. Pittsburgh! The guy just keeps shouting. He's so mad about being sent to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh! It's like he's never had a Permanti sandwich. Anyway, Robinson starts his first season with the Dodgers, and it quickly becomes clear that he is a powerhouse on the field, capable of leading the team to baseball glory. He still faces racism from teammates who don't want to shower with him, from opposing teams who viciously taunt him, or try to hurt him physically, hitting him with pitches or catching him in the leg with the spikes in their cleats, and from hotels who refuse to accommodate the team while they're on the road. Slowly, at least a few teammates begin to come around as they witness Jackie's public stoicism in the face of all the abuse. The movie ends with Jackie scoring a home run that clinches the pennant and sends the Dodgers to the World Series. So, first impressions. I don't think I'd ever heard of this movie until you mentioned watching it, like, last year or 2020. So I had no idea what to expect going into it, but I have to say it was a lot better than I thought a movie about baseball, which I don't really know much about, would be. So yeah, I remember that I first heard about it when Chadwick Boseman passed away in the retrospectives on his career, but I finally got around to seeing it in November 2020. A local empty office parking lot was hosting drive-in movies, 2020, you know, and I got tickets as as a surprise for my husband, who proceeded to spend the entire movie Respiting sports trivia. It was it was great. So let's get down to the heart of the matter. The movie talks about Jackie getting court-martialed in the army, but it doesn't go into that much detail. Jackie was drafted in 1942 and was first stationed in Kansas. He wanted to become an officer, and with help from well-placed connections, he got his commission as a second lieutenant in 1943. He was transferred to the 761st Tank Battalion, an all-black division, and he went to Camp Hood, now Fort Hood, in 1944. On July 6, 1944, he boarded a military bus, only for the white bus driver to tell him to move to the back of the bus. Jackie informed the driver that recent orders directed an end to segregation at Army posts, which this was, and this was a bus, serving an Army post. The driver called for military police, who arrested him. In his court-martial, he was accused of insubordination and refusing to obey superior officers, as well as other false claims such as drunkenness and insulting a woman. 
The trial found him innocent of all these charges, and he was acquitted. Afterwards, he was transferred to Camp Breckenridge in Kentucky, and he served as an Army athletic coach. On November 4, 1944, he was honorably discharged from the Army due to some old sports injuries that impacted his joints. It's also worth noting here that in real life, Jackie asked Rachel to marry him not when he got the call to join the Dodgers, but actually in 1943, soon after he finished officer candidate school. So there's a lot discussed early on in the movie about the Negro Leagues, where Jackie got his start in professional baseball, and that name actually represents a whole constellation of organizations serving black players and their fans. Baseball was a major fixture in the black community in the years following the Civil War. The first recognized professional team for black players was formed in 1885, when club teams from Washington, D.C. and Philadelphia merged to form a team called the Cuban Giants, so named in an attempt to increase their marketability to white audiences, who, at the time at least, found Cuban people to be somewhat preferable to black people. In 1887, the National Colored Baseball League was organized with six minor league teams, the Baltimore Lord Baltimores, (laughs) the Baltimore Baltimores, Baltimore Lord Baltimore, the Boston Resolutes, Louisville Falls City, the New York Gorhams, the Philadelphia Pythians, and the Pittsburgh Keystones. Pittsburgh! A number of local teams and smaller regional leagues for black players developed throughout the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Teams became quite popular, and in many black communities, they served as engines of economic development. Around 1920, Andrew Rube Foster, the manager of the Chicago American Giants, conceived of a major professional league, driven in large part by the migration of black Americans from southern states and agricultural employment to northern cities and factory work, which meant a larger and in many cases more affluent urban black population. The Negro National League was formed that year with six teams, the Chicago American Giants, the Chicago Giants, which are a different team, (laughs) the Cuban Stars, the Dayton Marcos, the Detroit Stars, the Indianapolis ABCs, the Kansas City Monarchs, and the St. Louis Giants. Black professional baseball entered a golden age, and soon as many as six competing leagues sprouted, eager to serve a growing audience and a group of talented, dedicated players. In one of the earlier scenes, Jackie is forbidden from lodging with his other teammates, and he stays with a black family in Sanford, Florida, for spring training. After his first day playing ball there, he's warned to leave town before an angry white mob can harm him. This sort of thing was not an isolated incident, and this was a threat that would have impacted other members of the black community around him. Lynchings have been a constant threat against black people throughout American history, and the Equal Justice Initiative reports that Florida had 319 reported lynchings in its history, making it one of the states with the most reported lynchings. Its shameful legacy also includes two massacres of black communities in the 20th century. The 1923 Rosewood Massacre, which started with false allegations that a black man from Rosewood, a prosperous black town, had attacked a white woman from a nearby town. White mobs, basically terrorists, essentially destroyed the entire town. Official records of the number of victims, a handful, differ from eyewitness accounts that suggest up to 100 people were murdered. Other residents fled, and the town was essentially deserted. A black man, Mose Norman, tried to vote in the 1920 presidential election in Ocoee, Florida, and white residents attacked the local black community. This is known as the Ocoee Massacre. Over 30 black people were murdered, and similar to the Rosewood Massacre a few years later, the remaining black community was essentially driven out. And let's not forget, Sanford is where George Zimmerman murdered Trayvon Martin in 2012. 
Rachel Robinson is an important figure in the film, and she continues to be a major force for good in the world. Like other great women in history, from Eliza Hamilton to the Queen Mother, Rachel has now outlived her husband by a full 50 years and will turn 100 this July. After Jackie's retirement from baseball, Rachel earned a master's degree in psychiatric nursing from New York University and worked as a researcher at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. She then became director of nursing for the Connecticut Mental Health Center and later an assistant professor of nursing at Yale University. Following her husband's death in 1972, she founded the Jackie Robinson Development Corporation with a mission to help build and manage housing for people of moderate and low incomes. The next year, she also established the Jackie Robinson Foundation to provide college scholarships and leadership training for minority youth. The foundation combines direct funding with wraparound support services like mentoring, networking, and community service opportunities to ensure that their scholarship students not only get to college, but make it to graduation. And the program has resulted in an impressive 98% graduation rate for the students it supports. The foundation is also spearheading the development of the Jackie Robinson Museum, which broke ground in 2017 in Lower Manhattan. The museum is already offering quite a bit of virtual programming for both classrooms and the general public, and it was slated to open this spring. We don't have any updates on that yet, but we will share them on our social media pages as soon as we have them. In the meantime, the capital campaign to fund the museum is $8 million short of its ambitious $42 million fundraising goal. We will be making a donation to the campaign on behalf of all of you, our wonderful listeners, and we encourage you to make your own contribution at jrlegacy.org. Anyway, back to Rachel Robinson. She ran the foundation as its chairwoman for nearly 25 years and continues to serve on its board of directors. She also found time to write and publish a memoir of her life with Jackie. Today, she enjoys time with her and Jackie's two surviving children, 12 grandchildren, three great-grandchildren, and three great-great-grandchildren. And now we come to the big question. How many baseball caps are we awarding to 42? I want to give it 3.5. It was really enjoyable and it had a good cast. I wish we could have seen more of Jackie's emotional responses and inner thoughts throughout the entire movie, instead of it all just coming out in one scene where Alan Tudyk verbally assaults him and Jackie goes into the locker room tunnel, breaks down, and destroys a baseball bat. You know, Rachel Robinson has said pretty strenuously that nothing like that scene ever happened. The screenwriter included it because he said he couldn't imagine how Jackie could have gone through that level of abuse without breaking down at least one time. What I would have liked to see more of are the experiences that shaped Jackie before he was invited to join the Dodgers. The movie begins with Branch Rickey debating the decision to hire a black player for the team. In an otherwise excellent movie about a black man's story, Starting it off with a white man's decision tree is a little bit ham-handed. Otherwise, I thought the movie was really well done and handled some very difficult scenes with sensitivity and artfulness, and I am giving 42 four baseball caps out of five. Finally, we come to a few sundry other notes. As we were watching the movie, we kept talking about how our lives might have intersected with places in Jackie Robinson's story. The first one that came up is that he played a few spring training games in Deland, Florida, where my husband attended college. Go Hatters! We also thought at the time and talked about how he spent some time in our current hometown of Alexandria, Virginia during his years in the Army. This was information we'd gotten from being involved with a local historical society. Turns out, not true at all. But it got me thinking, I couldn't help but wonder, Uh. it got me thinking about the little historical myths we all create, and in particular, how much we want to be associated, even in small ways, with great events and great people in history. In the movie, Jackie is depicted as the only black player integrating the Montreal Royals. However, in real life, he wasn't alone. Navy veteran John Wright was also signed on, and they reported to spring training at the same time, and he too was chased out of Sanford with Jackie. 
His performance while he was with the Montreal Royals suffered, probably because of the constant racist attacks and all the pressure he was under. And he didn't have his family traveling with him for his support either. He got bumped down to the C-level team in Canada, and in 1947 went back to the Negro Leagues before retiring from baseball in 1948. But his story of integrating the leagues is just as important. Finally, where have we seen that vaguely old-timey-looking actor before? This is a message for the 5,258 other people who are part of the Facebook group, Please Stop Killing Alan Tudyk. <laughs> this might be the one movie he's in where his death and or maiming might not inspire any great sadness. Alan Tudyk, the Sean Bean of science fiction, plays Philadelphia Phillies manager Ben Chapman, who is responsible for by far the worst verbal abuse that Jackie experiences in this movie, and which, sad let's say, is an accurate depiction of the real Ben Chapman. Anyway, we've previously seen Alan Tudyk turn up in both A Knight's Tale and Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Frank Brennan, one of the sports reporters covering Jackie, was also in that movie, playing a member of the U.S. Senate. Coleman Domingo, who here plays Jackie's friend Lawson Bowman, appeared in The Butler as Freddie Fellows, one of the other White House butlers. Finally, Mark Falvo, who here appears as an extra in the stands, played a Union soldier in Gettysburg. We also get a fun cameo. Kelly Jekyll, who's playing a babysitter taking care of Jackie's and Rachel's son, is the real Branch Rickey's great-granddaughter. But does she sound like this when she talks? That's all for our review of 42. Join us next time as we dissect that dubious classic of the Roman Empire, Gladiator. This is Costume Drama Rewind. Thanks for listening.